This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. A big football weekend lies ahead, at least for the Jets. The Giants season, for all intents and purposes, came to a quiet and sad end last week, although not a uh, definitive end for the Giants. But I'm not going to start the show this afternoon by making a case that there's still a chance for the Giants because that would that would just be silly after what happened last week and what their record is. Um what I will start the show with is by saying that there is a very good chance for the Jets. And uh, I've been on this for a couple of weeks now before the Eagles game. And if you if you looked at where the Jets were before the Eagles game with a record of two and three coming off that Broncos win, that workmanlike Denver Broncos win, as we get set for a Monday night tussle between the Jets and the Chargers at MetLife Stadium this Monday night. But coming off that Broncos win that snapped the Jets' three-game losing streak, that was really a game that they had to have. And it was a game that Zach Wilson had to have uh, for a number of reasons. Number one, you couldn't fall to one and four. You couldn't lose the first four full games after the Aaron Rodgers injury. You couldn't lose to a Broncos team that at the time was one of the worst and worst coach teams in the entire NFL. You, 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 could, you just couldn't do it. I mean, if they did, if they went out to Denver that week and Zach lost again and didn't build on the momentum – that he had gained during the second half of that Chiefs Sunday night game at MetLife Stadium, that would have essentially been it for Zach Wilson. I do think that if he didn't go out to Denver, and not that he you know, lit the stat sheet or the scoreboard on fire that game, but he played well enough to win. And in fact, he hasn't lost yet. And even last week, when he didn't play well enough to win until there were about 24 seconds left in the game. But at the end of the day, he has not lost since then. But the Broncos game got them to two and three and at least allows you to entertain the thought at least allowed you to entertain the conversation that hey if this happens and this happens and these two or three other things happen well then the Jets could put themselves in the conversation for the playoffs and what has happened well ever since then two games two games against NFC East opponents two games at MetLife Stadium although one of them was a road game and Everything since that point has happened to help the Jets further their hold on at least a spot in the playoff conversation in the AFC. And that's where they stand right now on this three-game winning streak with a record of 4-3. and three. And after that Broncos game, I sat right here on this show at this exact time and said the Jets' next four weeks are going to make or break their season. The home game against the Eagles and then the three quote-unquote winnable games at the Giants, against the Chargers, and at the Raiders. And I said, if you can go 3-1 and one during that stretch, starting with the Eagles game, if you can go 3-1 and one during that stretch, that would get you to 5-4. and four. And then you would be firmly in the conversation for a playoff spot. Well, look, in two weeks, a lot has changed. First and foremost, although it wasn't pretty last week, the Jets have done their part so far, and then some. Because if you looked at that four-game stretch, Eagles, Giants, Chargers, Raiders, the Jets right off the bat, they won the most difficult of those four games that come from behind win against the Eagles two weeks ago. So right off the bat, they were ahead of the game. They had banked the most difficult win of those four games coming up. And then they eke out the Giants game last week. They almost gave it back. I mean, if they had lost to the Giants and if Brian Dayball uh, had decided to excuse himself with a minute left in the fourth quarter and let somebody else coach the final minute of that game, 
and gotten a beat on the traffic out of MetLife Stadium, that the Jets would have thrown back all of the currency that they gained by beating the Eagles the previous week because that would have been a disastrous loss. A season-killing loss, no, but a disastrous loss for the Jets, and they would have kind of been back at square one, still with a chance. But fortunately for the Jets, Brian Dayball did stick around for the end of the game, and they pulled out a win in a game that they had absolutely no business winning. So now you beat the Eagles, and now you beat the Giants. And now here comes of the remaining two games of this stretch, Chargers and then at the Raiders, here comes the game, all right? This is by far the most interesting game of the next two because the Chargers are exactly what the Chargers have been since Justin Herbert's second season in the NFL, since Brandon Staley's first season as their head coach. They are a very talented team with a very talented quarterback. They've got a good passing game. They've got a good running game. They've got a solid defense. They have many of the tools required to win football games in the NFL. The one thing that the Chargers under Brandon Staley and with Justin Herbert, and I'm happy that Justin Herbert over the last few weeks has started to share in some of this blame for the L.A. Chargers shortcomings because somehow, even though this team seems to underperform at least 75% of the time, somehow Justin Herbert always seems to escape any blame or culpability for that. It all falls on the head coach. And don't get me wrong, a lot of it should fall on the head coach because he has made some confounding decisions. And they have had some really, really head-scratching results, none more so than the playoff game last year against Jacksonville when they blew a 27-0 first-half lead. But now Justin Herbert is starting to share in some of this blame because for all of their talent offensively, at the quarterback position, at the running back position, at the skill positions, all of their talent defensively, the one thing they seem to have trouble doing, the Chargers, is winning football games. They seem to have a lot of trouble actually winning a football game. Like when the game is over and the clock hit zero, having more points than their opponent. That is a struggle for this Chargers team, despite all of the advantages that I just laid out in terms of their personnel. But they still are a talented team. And a rare case last week for the Chargers uh, in which they actually took care of business because the opponent, the Chicago Bears, was so feeble and playing with a quarterback who is actually a backup to Justin Fields which is about as bad as it gets in the NFL. They ran through the Bears. They took care of business without any drama at all, and they got themselves to 3-4. and four. So at 3-4, and four, the Chargers, look, the head coach is playing for his job. You've heard all these rumors, and now you, obviously, with the news last week about Bill Belichick's signed contract extension, lucrative contract extension that he signed in the offseason, the rumors have died down a little. But... Bill Belichick's name has been connected with the Chargers' head coaching position. Any big-name coach, any accomplished head coach who's looking to move on, who's looking to get back into the game, who's looking at another job, their name is going to be and has been attached to the L.A. Chargers. Why? Because they do have a very good quarterback. Go through the NFL, and you don't have to— there's not that many names that you're going to list— until you get to Justin Herbert in terms of talent. 
and all of the teams, the the teams of the quarterbacks who you will name before Justin Herbert, none of those coaches are in trouble. None of those coaches are on the hot seat. You know, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, no. Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor, no. Jalen Hurts, Nick Sirianni, no. No, those coaches are fine. So if you're, you know, generally you have anywhere from four to eight head coaching changes every coaching cycle. It'll be hard to find a head coach vacancy either during this season or more likely during the offseason with a quarterback who has more talent than Justin Herbert. Okay, so this is going to be a very, very attractive job because that's the hardest thing to find, and it's becoming increasingly harder by the week. I mean, last week we had, what, six, eight backup quarterbacks ended up finishing games for teams throughout the NFL last week in week eight. I mean, it's getting ugly. It's getting real grisly at the quarterback position. So for all of Herbert's faults and for the fact that, you know, he really, for what his talent level is and what his expectations are, has not been able to win at a consistent level. The fact is he's still a talented player. So that's a long way of saying the head coach is coaching for his job. Brandon Staley's coaching for his job right now, and they got to three and four by taking care of business against the Bears. And now if you're the Chargers, you're looking at this Jets team. They're four and three. They're just ahead of you in the standings. Uh, They have Zach Wilson at quarterback, so that's certainly not a scary proposition. Those last two throws in the fourth quarter last week notwithstanding. This is a team that if you're the Chargers and you're looking at your schedule, you're saying we've got to get this one. This is a road game that we've got to get because – it's not Aaron Rodgers you're facing. It's not a 6-2 and two team that you're facing. It's not Josh Allen. It's not Tua Tungavailoa. It's not Joe Burrow. It's Zach Wilson, and it's the New York Jets. And what the Jets need this week, look, I do think that the Jets' defense is going to be there this week because it's been there all season long. During this three-game winning streak, and let's break down the Jets' season for a moment, okay? During this three-game winning streak, the defense has been there. Did just enough against Denver, and then the last two games against Philadelphia and the Giants were fantastic. Now, they were aided in the Giants game because they were playing a quarterback who wasn't allowed to throw the football. But still, they did their job, and they've done their job since the beginning, even their first one of the season uh, when they beat the Bills. And obviously, Josh Allen helped them a lot by throwing the ball over the field, turning the ball over four times, throwing the three interceptions. But the Jets' defense kept them in that game to the point where a Josh Allen mistake or two down the stretch could swing the balance of that game in the Jets' favor, and that's exactly what happened. But if you look at the Jets' season right now at 4-3, and three, all right, they've played seven games. They've played essentially three and a half, uh, excuse me, four and a half good games, and they've played two and a half crummy games. You know, the first game against the Bills, Rodgers gets hurt. Somehow they still rallied to win that game. Like I said, the defense was outstanding. Got some help from Josh Allen. The special teams play in overtime. The walk-off punt return. And look, that was a, you're not going to judge Zach Wilson on that game because that was almost an impossible situation to come into. When he walked into MetLife Stadium on that Monday night, the last thing on his mind was that he might be playing and might be playing early in the first quarter. So somehow they end up winning that game. So that was a good game. But then the next two and a half games were absolutely crummy games. You know, you go to Dallas, you get blown out. Wilson throws three interceptions, and you think it's same old Zach. And then the next week against New England, where it's three and out after three and out after three and out, and you're angering the fans so much that they're yelling at you so much that their teeth are falling out in the stands, and they're trying to keep their teeth inside their mouths, and that's difficult. And 
you lose that game to a New England team that, as it's turned out, is a pretty lousy New England team. And then the next week, the Taylor Swift game with the Chiefs in town, you know, before a lot of people got in there and opened up their first beverage, you're down 17 to nothing. And you're just on the verge of this entire season falling apart. And the turning point, as we've said repeatedly, was the second half of that of that Kansas City game. And they ended up not losing the not winning the game. And they ended up not winning the game because it was Wilson's error in the fourth quarter, taking his eye off the shotgun snap, not fielding it cleanly, losing that fumble, and giving the ball back to Kansas City. And the Jets never got the ball back after that. That ultimately uh, led to the Jets' demise in that game. But a bigger picture, what that performance by Wilson did, because as we know, if you watch the game or remember the game, he was fantastic. He wasn't adequate. He wasn't, you know, just good enough. He was fantastic in the second half of that game. Like, you know, for two quarters of football, I understand, very, very small sample size. But the level of play that he put forth in that fourth quarter was top 10 NFL quarterback quality. Now, we haven't seen that since. Okay, so on that part of the note, it's not the greatest thing that you haven't seen that level of performance since. But on the other hand, they haven't lost since. You go to Denver, he does enough to win. You go to Philadelphia, he does enough to win. And you go to the Jets and he does enough to the Giants, excuse me, he does enough to win. And the Giants were so bad and their head coach was so bad that literally enough to win last week was making two throws in the fourth quarter. That was it. You make two throws the entire game, and that's enough to win. And that gets you to four and three. And that gets you in the conversation. The Jets right now are tied record-wise with Cleveland, which occupies the seventh and final playoff spot in the AFC entering week eight. Um, entering, excuse me, week nine. They lose the tiebreaker for the time being based on conference winning percentage. The Bengals are in the mix, too. The Bengals are 4-3, and three, and the Bengals are a real threat. I mean, if you ask me right now, Jets, Cleveland, um, or Cincinnati, which of those three teams is most likely to go to the playoffs, it's an easy answer for me and a lot of people. It's Cincinnati. But the Jets aren't just battling against those teams. There's other teams ahead of them that they can catch. The Pittsburgh Steelers, for one. So the Jets have this opportunity now, having already beaten the Eagles two weeks ago and somehow pulling out that Giants game last week to really keep their pretty strong hopes alive for a playoff spot. These next two games, if you can win on Monday night and then go out to Las Vegas, and if you have been following the Vegas Raiders story this week, you would know that they are the biggest mess in the 32-team NFL by far and away after they got blown out on Monday night. And then the next day, their head coach and their general manager were fired. Antonio Pierce, the former Giant, is now their interim head coach as they get set to take on the Giants this week. So they are hosting the Jets next week, and it's just a disaster in Las Vegas. So that's a game that you have to win, which brings us to Monday night. Monday night, if you look at the rest of the schedule, because you, you, know, you don't ever want to play the win-loss game Win, you should win this, you should lose that, because that never, never pans out. But it gives you kind of, you know, kind of a roadmap to see what's ahead for your team. For example, we looked at the Jets at the beginning of the season. We looked at their schedule, and it was extremely difficult. The Bills, the Cowboys, the Patriots. We thought the Patriots were going to be a lot better. The Chiefs, the Super Bowl champs. 
at Denver, never an easy place to play, and we thought the Broncos were going to be a lot better. And by the way, they have been playing better since they played the Jets. They just beat the Chiefs. And then the Eagles. That's an extremely difficult first six games, and the Jets came out of that 3-3. Three and three. And then they beat the Giants. So you can look ahead and see what's on the schedule at this point in the season, knowing which teams are going to be tougher than others, and get a general idea of if you just take care of business and win the games that you quote-unquote should – then you could be in good shape. And if the Jets can beat the Chargers and then beat the Raiders and get their record to 6-3 and three, and you look at the final eight games on their schedule, there's enough wins out there that if they just take care of business and win those games, they could be looking at a 10-7 and seven season. They could be looking at a spot in the playoffs. And that would just be, on so many levels... An incredible accomplishment. First and foremost, the fact that they haven't done that since 2010. And then you add in the Aaron Rodgers factor where he was brought here to lead this team back to the playoffs. And we know what happened there. And literally all hope was lost. I mean, ask any Jets fan in the moments or the hours after Aaron Rodgers' season-ending injury on that Monday night. All hope was lost. All of it was lost. And the fact that we're sitting here halfway through the season talking about the Jets with two winnable games coming up with a chance to get to six and three and a chance to get to the playoffs. And then you add in the additional layer of Aaron Rodgers. Is this still a possibility of seeing him return this season? You know, as I said two weeks ago, it's one of those deals where I'll believe it when I see it. Yes. But the further we get into the fall, the further we get into the season and this continues to be a topic of conversation. For me, it's only maybe ever so slightly, but it's only gaining in the possibility that it might actually happen. And just think about it if it does happen. Seriously, think about it if this team gets to the playoffs and has Aaron Rodgers as its quarterback in the playoffs. Now, to me, it's still so unlikely because nobody... Nobody has ever done anything remotely close to what he is saying that he's going to do. And I know he's got supreme confidence and he's always been, you know, kind of an odd guy and made some statements that sometimes make you look at him sideways or roll your eyeballs or what have you. But the fact that he's still talking about this and look, you're seeing physically, you see him walk around, you see him throw passes. Um, He's already doing things that you would not have expected him to be doing at this point so quickly after suffering that injury. So for me, it's still highly, highly unlikely and improbable, but it's still a possibility. So I'm going to keep it on on the side of the table for now. And every week where this is still a topic of conversation and nobody has actually come out and say, no, it's not happening, we're aiming for next year. Every week that that doesn't happen, that possibility for me gets closer and closer to the center of the table. Still a ways to go, but you've got to factor that in now as we enter the second half of this season, and the Jets have a real, real chance to make a run in a playoff spot. So Monday night is such a key game because, like I said, winnable games ahead at the Raiders, against the Falcons at home, home against the Texans, home against the Commanders, at the Browns, at the Patriots to finish off the season. And I mentioned this possibility two weeks ago, and I'm sure others have also. Wouldn't that be amazing if the Jets go up to Foxborough on January 7th at 9-7 and with a chance to beat Belichick and the Patriots to punch their ticket to the playoffs? That would be incredible 
It really would because the Patriots aren't that good. The Jets with this defense should be able to look who the Jets have beaten already with this defense. They've beaten Josh Allen. They've beaten Russell Wilson, who, by the way, look at Russell Wilson's numbers. He's having a good season. They've beaten Jalen Hurts. Patrick Mahomes had maybe his worst game of the season against them through two interceptions. This defense plays well against everybody, which is why they have a chance on Monday night against Justin Herber, one of the better quarter Herber, excuse me, one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. But what it comes down to is they're going to need more from their quarterback and they're going to need more from their offense. But a real chance here for the Jets as we look ahead to this Monday night game, which the rest of the season, this could be, this could be the, bi the biggest game of the season. Because at the Dolphins, you lose that, okay. At the Bills, you lose that, okay. You know, you got to beat the Commanders, you got to beat the Texans, you got to beat the Falcons, you got to beat the Raiders. The Chargers game at home on Monday night, it's a toss-up. It's a toss-up right now, which means you got a real chance to win and you got a real chance to lose. So which way is this game going to go on Monday night? I mean, the season could swing on this one game in week nine, two days from now. We'll get into this more. We'll hear from the Jets. Look ahead to their Monday night matchup. We will touch on the Giants. A lot of thoughts on the Knicks as well. I was in Milwaukee last night for their loss against the Bucks. Would have been a terrific win for the Knicks. Damian Lillard and the Bucks haven't quite gotten things figured out yet. Still game five for them. Unfortunately for the Knicks, Damian Lillard started to figure some things out in the final minute of last night's game as the Bucks ended up beating the Knicks in Milwaukee. And, of course, your calls at 1-800-919-3776. Pat O'Keefe with you on 98.7 ESPN New York. This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. At 425, that'll be on Fox, and the Giants and Raiders game is, well, it's opposite Cowboys and Eagles. So, well, you can see that game here in New York. You can see that game in Las Vegas. I'm not sure how many other markets are going to be carrying Giants-Raiders tomorrow at 425 because Cowboys-Eagles might end up being one of, if not the best, regular season matchups of the year. And then, of course, the one we're talking about right now the Monday nighter at MetLife Stadium, the Jets hosting the Chargers. It's just, in addition to the reasons I've already laid out, the fact that the Jets, if they win these next two games and get to 6-3, and three, can put themselves in a real position to make a run. But let's just logistically look at things. The Jets, and I mentioned this before, the reason why they're in 8th place in the AFC and not in 7th place is because for the time being, Cleveland has a better conference record than they do. Well, if the Jets beat the Chargers... Two things will happen. Number one, the Jets right now one game ahead of the Chargers would move two games ahead of the Chargers in the standings. And number two, should those two teams end up tied, the Jets would own the tiebreaker. So when you get this late in the season and you have a head-to-head -head game against a team that is in the exact same boat as you, fighting for one of those final wild card spots in your same conference, that is a huge game. A huge game for the Jets on Monday night. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to the phones. Let's start things off with Ira in Staten Island. Hey, Ira. Hey, good afternoon, Pat. How are you? I think the last time we spoke was before the Eagle game, I think. Yes, it was. Where I had said I mean, uh, go go three and one in the next four and give yourself a chance. And, and now I'm changing my tune a little, Ira, because I want 4-0 oh for this team. They're already 2-0. Oh. It, it's amazing. And you know, it's funny. I had them 4-3 with Rodgers. 
they're four and three with a good defense and Wilson, you know, just managing the games. And it's amazing they've gotten to this point. And Monday night basically is a playoff game. And I know there's a lot to go. You could play the win-loss, win-loss, and I get that. But I, I think if they win this game, they're going to really position themselves really in good shape down the stretch to, to, to have a shot at the playoff. I think if they lose, like you said, because of, because of the conference record, they're going to put themselves in a hole. But you, you look, you get these next two games. And let's say you do lose to the Bills and you lose to the Dolphins, all right? You still got very winnable games, and I still think if they could just continue to take care of their business, they'll be going into Cleveland with New England with those two games. If they win those two games, they're going to find themselves in the playoffs because I think that seventh spot is going to get divvied up between the Browns, the Steelers, and the Jets. I think you get the Bills and the Dolphins. I think you get the Ravens and the Bengals. You get the Chiefs and the Jaguars, and then it'll be one remaining spot for one of those three teams. I agree with that. I I, I do agree with that. So you, you're going uh, Ravens and Bengals. I do too. Um, you go the Bills and the Dolphins, and then you go the Chiefs and probably the Jags from the AFC South. Yeah, so, so that leaves the Jets. That leaves the Chargers. That leaves the Browns. Um, anybody else that we want to put in there? And the Steelers. And the and Jets, the Steelers. and 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 besides the Steelers, you're playing all of them. They you're playing the exactly right. The they got, and they got the game against the Chargers. So get this game Monday night, and then take care of your business. You get the Browns, you get the Pats. There's a, there's a really good chance they're going to be playing an extra game this year. Well, here's the thing. Also, Ira, you don't need. It would be nice. We saw what Zach Wilson did against. Kansas City in the second half, and it was terrific. And and I think more than anything, it gave the defense hope that if they just hold up their end of the bargain, then this team could hang around. And that's exactly what has happened. Wilson hasn't played that well since then, but we need from Zach something closer to what he gave you in Denver, right? What he gave you in Denver was good enough. He didn't have a bad game. He didn't have a fantastic game. Like, let's be honest, last week he had a bad game. He made two great throws at the end, and credit to him for doing that, but he had a bad game. He needs to be better than he was last week against the Giants. If he can give them a a facsimile to what he gave them in Denver with the defense playing the way it has been all season long, that's the recipe for this team. And right, and figure it out in the red zone. And just, I just want to get your opinion real quick. Yeah, I don't hear anybody mention, this isn't a knock on Lazard, but he made a big catch to set up that field goal, you know, with a second yep. to go. But to the life of me, I don't understand why he tried to drag that defender another five, six, seven yards. And he took basically, he, he traded that extra yardage with a guy like Zerlon he didn't need. And he wasted about four, five, six seconds off the clock. Yeah. And they cut it really close. Nobody's brought that up. And I, I think that's something that the receivers and the coaches have to make sure that if they're ever in that position, if this guy catches it, and you got to go down because you got a big-time kicker. Ira, that's a really good point, and thanks for the call. And it also kind of speaks to one of the concerns that you have for this Jets team, and that's the head coach. Now, he's done a good job. The, the the head coach deserves a ton of credit for this team's defense. He's a defensive guy. He brought in the defensive staff. He's got a big say in what they do defensively, and this team has been carried by its defense all season long. But, you know, you, you look at clock management, late-game situations. You know, I can think of 
a few examples. You go back to the Philadelphia game two weeks ago after the big interception and the Jets are in field goal range and the Eagles have two timeouts left and all you need to do is kick a field goal and on the first play, Sirianni basically parts the Red Sea of the Eagles' defense so you could score so they could get the ball back with a chance to win as opposed to running the clock all the way down, kicking the field goal and winning the game. That was poor clock management that the Jets were fortunate enough to avoid. How about the Denver game? Right before the half, the Jets were playing great. The clock management right before the half, not getting that last snap off to uh, attempt a field goal and get three extra points in what at that point was still a close game. And then what, what Ira just said. And look, in the heat of the moment with the receivers, but, uh, you know, fighting for extra yardage, which is kind of, you know, their inclination to do. But Lazar's a veteran. He should know better. And when you see stuff like that, those late-game situations, that goes back to the coaches. That's why Brian Dayball can throw his headset and get in Tyrod Taylor's face all he wants. When teams make those types of mental mistakes, part of it, a good portion of it, has to come back to the head coach. That, especially in this day and age of, you know, you have an offensive coordinator to call the plays on that side of the ball. You have a defensive coordinator. He's calling and setting up the defense on each and every down. The head coach's job is the game management, overseeing things. Those are the head coach's job, all right? Your job is to make sure that your team is buttoned up in the fundamentals in every single way, and I don't get that yet from Robert Sala. I don't. The Eagles thing was alarming two weeks ago. I couldn't believe it. There was a minute 45 to go, and the first play, They waltz right into the end zone, and they start celebrating. They gave you the touchdown. Now, you won the game, so you take it and you move on, and it was great. But my goodness, you didn't need to do that. Those things are concerning to me. I was right. Made a good point. Jets got very lucky. They got very lucky. But we'll we'll take a break. We'll get back to your calls. 1-800-919-3776. Also, to me, what this Jets season is starting to remind me of. It's got a very, very strong resemblance to another season in recent years. It's Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is is the Pat O'Keefe Show. A injury-plagued Jets offensive line, if they could get Brown back. Look, I know he's not what he used to be earlier in his career, but at this point, the offensive line being in the shape that it is, that would be a huge, huge lift for the Jets and for Zach Wilson heading into this crucial game Monday night against the L.A. Chargers. Pat O'Keefe with you, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go back to the phones and check in with Sal in Brooklyn. Hey, Sal. Pat, good afternoon. How are you? Good. How you doing, Sal? I'm doing very well, thank you. Hey, Pat, you know, here's the beauty of New York and, and fans in general. Uh, we're criticizing a win. Not criticizing, but we're talking about what players could have done or different, but the games were won. If Lazard goes down immediately with the rain and that wind, that kick is not going through three yards or four yards further back. It is what it is, man. Thank God they got it off. Thank God they got the win. It's e- like I said, it's easy to criticize what he should have did. The bottom line is they won the game. Well, you know, game. you know what? It's good. And I'll let you make your other points, Sal. What's good is 
w- w- when they're criticizing a win like that, that means there's expectations. That means you're a pretty good team. So that's actually not a bad place to be if if you're a, if you're being criticized for a win. No, no expectations. We we uh, every uh, the Washington Senators, the old baseball team. Their fans used to have expectations of spring training, thinking your team can go all the way. I had expectations of the Yankees in the early seventies, where they couldn't win seventy games, but we thought they were a great team to go to the World Series. Reality and expectations. You won. Let's not be well. Hold on, though. There's expectations. There's expectations at the beginning of the year, but I'm talking about the expectations now. Like now, you're four and three. You're a real player in the playoffs. So I'm talking about how you're perceived now, not how you were perceived at the beginning of the season. Uh, uh, understood. Understood. The Jets, they're going to need 21 or 24 points to win this game, no matter how good that defense is going to be. I mean, there were days when Sandy Koufax didn't even have his A stuff. You can't expect these guys to pitch basic shutouts every game. And Zach has to step up just a he little does. bit. Be, play like he did in Denver. I don't want too much. That's exactly right. But don't give it away. Right? you got to give me a little bit. 21, 24 points. And real quick with the next. Boston gets better. Milwaukee gets better. You get all of these younger teams out there on the West Coast get better. We're happy to bring in DiVincenza. And we were happy for hard. You're not going, though. You're going to win 45 games. You'll make the playoffs. You're going to keep everybody happy. But you don't have that 1A. You know, I'm not saying you got to go get Carl Anthony Towns. He's not the answer, but they're just a run-of-the-mill team right now that's going to keep the fans happy with a 45-47 win season. Pat, always well, a pleasure, man. Keep Sal, moving. thanks for the call. I'll say this, 45-47 win season, which is where they were last year, 47-35. and 35. You talk about expectations. The expectations coming into this year were top four team in the East, maybe top three with Philadelphia unloading James Harden. You know, top five, top six for sure. That was with the understanding that their leading scorer from the last several years was going to continue to play at that level. Two of the last three years, Julius Randle was an all-star. Two of the last three years, Julius Randle was an all-NBA player. In 2021, he was second-team all-NBA. This past season, he was third-team all-NBA. That led them to playoff appearances in each of those seasons last year's performance by Randall coupled with Jalen Brunson and what he did led the Knicks to a 47 win season and a first round win of the playoffs I don't think right now it's realistic to sit here and say we know the Knicks are going to win 45 and 46 or 46 or 47 games and get into the playoffs and maybe win a round but beyond that be a run-of-the-mill team because the way, and it's only six games, but it's now six games. It's not two games. It's not four games. You know, when Randall came out opening night and had a tough shooting night against the Celtics, okay, it's a it's a tough game. And then you go to Atlanta, and he had a pretty good game. And Jalen Brunson had eight three-pointers, and they won that, so you were happy with and focused on the win. And then you went to New Orleans, second night of a back-to-back. Pelicans had had two days off. It was what they call a scheduling loss in the NBA. And Randall did not have a good game, but nobody on the Knicks had a good game. Their legs, they weren't there. And then you go to Cleveland, and that was probably their best performance so far to date. And Randall didn't have a good game. And then the next night, you come home against a injury-plagued Cleveland team that you just beat by 18 the day before, and Randall shoots 3 for 15. Now we're, now we're up to 5 really bad games you know four out of the five really bad one of them okay um and then 
you go last night in Milwaukee, and I understand that they have a really good defensive front line with Giannis Antetokounmpo, with Brooke Lopez, who had eight block shots last night. But Randall goes out and he goes five for 20. And now there's legitimate reason for concern about Julius Randall's level of play heading into this three-game homestand at Madison Square Garden this coming week. We'll talk about that uh, more on the Jets and their huge game on Monday night. We'll also look ahead to the Giants tomorrow afternoon. Anything left to play for for the Giants this season? Well, if you judge it by what they did or didn't do at the trade deadline, um, they're not completely throwing in the towel on this season. 1-800-919-3776. Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN New York. Against the Bucs. It was... It was a golden opportunity for the Knicks. You look at your schedule at the beginning of the season, and a lot of it is when you play teams, especially the top teams, which Milwaukee is. Um, a top team like Milwaukee, especially one that integrates a new player, a superstar player in Damian Lillard, you want to get those teams early. And coming into last night's game, they still had not gotten on the same page, especially defensively. There was the opportunity for points for the Knicks last night. And even offensively, you know, Lillard came out, scored 39 points in his debut for the Bucs. Last few games, he was not a huge factor. You know, it's Giannis's team. Lillard doesn't want to come in and make waves. A lot of times this happens when you have two star players paired together for the first time. It's kind of like a game of hot potato or a game of you shoot, I shoot, you shoot, I shoot. And that's essentially what they've been doing. So there was an opportunity for the Knicks last night. Unfortunately for the Knicks, they just didn't shoot the ball well again. And that's been a theme for the Knicks. The Knicks coming into last night's game were shooting 40%, 40% from the field through their first five games. That was last in the NBA. Last night they were worse than that. They were 39.6%. There was a stat in the middle of last night's game. At one point, if you go back to the second half of Cleveland on Wednesday through, like, at some point, the third quarter yesterday against Milwaukee over a span of 100 shots, field goal attempts that the Knicks had taken between those two games, they had missed 70 of them, 30 for 100 from the field. Now, what you saw last night was just an incredible performance from Jalen Brunson. And Brunson hadn't had the, you know, he had the eight three-pointer game against Atlanta last Friday, scored 30 in that one. But this was vintage Brunson from last year. Just putting the team on his back, putting his head down, driving into the lane, finding the slightest hole or seam in the defense, and just finishing a variety of difficult shots off the glass, floaters, fading away from inside the paint, from the baseline, but most of it at close range. I mean, the guy scored 45 points and only hit two three-pointers. But unfortunately, he got a little bit of help from Quickly in the second half. He got some help from Quentin Grimes in the second and third quarters. But unfortunately for Brunson and the Knicks, not enough help in other areas. Another, as I said earlier, tough shooting game for Julius Randle. He did have a double-double, 16 points and 12 rebounds. But he was one for nine on three-pointers and five for 20 from the field. And for the second straight game, you didn't have R.J. Barrett. And if you know Barrett and you know Tom Thibodeau and you know the Tom Thibodeau Knicks, guys don't miss games. And guys like Barrett don't miss games unless they're really hurt. 
So for Barrett to, in games five and six of the season, for his knee to be hurt enough that he couldn't play either of those games is something that you have to be concerned about because what is starting to show right now is the Knicks' potential lack of depth. And that's one of the concerns you have six games in. Look, it's six games. We talked about the Jets' schedule, their first six games, how difficult that was. The Knicks' first six games have been extremely difficult. Go look at the teams they've played. There's not an easy team there. I mean, Boston, a lot of people's pick to go to the NBA Finals. And in the Eastern Conference, if they're not picking Boston, they're probably picking Milwaukee. Knicks have played both of them. They've played both of them tough. They lost to both of them. Atlanta, a playoff team last year, you beat them on the road. Cleveland won 51 games last year. You've played them twice already, and you split those two games. And New Orleans, a team that if they had Zion Williamson for last season, more than 29 games, would have been a playoff team. And you had to play them on the second night of a back-to-back when they were well-rested. So the schedule has been very difficult for the Knicks so far. But beyond just saying, oh, two and four, it's the result of the schedule. Beyond that, if you dig a little deeper, okay? You don't have to dig that deep. There are some things to be concerned about with this Knicks team six games into the season. Let's go to Manny and Flushing calling in. Manny, how you doing? Hey, uh, hey, man, how you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good, man. I'm good, man. Listen, I love you. Um, listen, um, keep up the good work on the radio analysis on, on, on the Knicks games. I really appreciate it. Uh, hopefully Ed, um, Ed, Ed, Ed Cohen returns um, good. Uh, but I love I love your uh, your uh, listen. Look at the end of the day. Look at the end of the day. Look, it is what it is, man. Look, I do think the Knicks will, will turn it around, but I think it's all up it's, it's all up to the players. You know, they gotta find a way to make easy baskets rather than chucking up the three because you can't just win games by trying to chuck up the threes. And get is like is an age where you have to shoot threes and threes, but you can't be always like that. Uh, but I mean, that being, but having said that, look, Julius Randle is unfortunate that he's he's uh, he's been struggling. But listen, in fairness to him, he's been to a, an ankle surgery. And he hasn't really got to get it right. And hopefully that you know by the time you know when he gets healed, yes. And RJ Barrett, you could say is part um, reason why the Knicks have lost two in a row because the Knicks were playing okay, not as terrible as people assume. But you know when he was playing, the Knicks were okay. But now you miss it like a your third option. It's hard. It's hard to get to win. You know, look at Josh Hart. I love Josh Hart. I love his intensity. But he's not an all offensive guy like an RJ Barrett who give you at least twenty, nineteen to twenty two points a night. Um, and again, you know, it's very. It's going to be very. Yes, you're right. This schedule has been brutal for them. And I, I you know, even though that most of the games they were competitive, but they just got to find it. And also one last thing. Um, you know, I just recently um, listened to Charles Barkley said about, you know, the Knicks need, need another star. Let me call every town because for so long, the Knicks, like, for years since they need a star, they want, like, they have to get a star. My response is, what type of star do the Knicks really need? Because it was always about Donovan Mitchell and call every town. Talented players, mind you, but they don't have the lack of playoff, like, the playoff success. And if you bring those one of those guys in, is that really good enough to get them to the top? Yes, they're good, but is that really good enough? Because you still have criticism that, well, the Knicks should have got this, or the Knicks should have got that. I mean, what's like, like, what do you got to lose? It's a good question, Manny, and thanks for the call. And I've spoken about this, 
I've thought a lot about this, as have many others. Like, what kind of star? Because it's not just as simple as saying, yeah, they need a star. Of course they need a star. Every team, there's 26 teams in the NBA that need a star. You know, who doesn't need a star? Well, Boston doesn't need one. They've got one in Tatum. Um, the 76ers have one in Embiid. The Bucks have one in Giannis. The Lakers have one in LeBron. Two, maybe, in Anthony Davis. The Warriors have one in Curry. And, of course, the Nuggets have one in Jokic. Other than that, everybody needs a star. So, yeah, of course the Knicks need a star. It's nice that the Knicks are in position where they're, quote-unquote, a star away. But I've said this before. I just don't look at Carl Anthony Towns as being that star, being that missing piece. I'll have more thoughts on the Knicks, more of your calls at 1-800-919-3776, and more look ahead to the football weekend as we continue right here on ESPN New York.